Hello, and to all who come to this crazy podcast, welcome. This is Animusings, which is a spur-of-the-moment idea concocted by myself, David King, and my co-host and significant other, Kayla Berry. Hello. So uh, this is something uh, new we're going to give a shot on, and uh, I don't really know where we're going to go with this yet, but uh, I think uh, (laughs) we're both, uh, I mean, how did this come about, Kayla? Well, um, one of the things that Dave and I both have a passion for is uh, Disney, but not just Disney, but animation in general, and one of the things we've been doing recently is... uh, um, We've been trying to watch all the Ghibli films, but then uh, another thing that David came up with was, what if we watched all of the Disney animated films in order? And I said, that'd be a brilliant idea. Now, we've never, I mean, obviously we've both seen a lot of films from the, uh, you know, the Disney animated feature canon, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if we've ever seen all of them, and we certainly have never seen all of them together. No, I, obviously we haven't seen all together right so i thought it would be fun if we went through the entire canon from uh you know in chronological order by release uh all the way up until the most recent ones and we and then i thought well because we're both uh you know we both uh, desperately want attention why don't we just go ahead and do a podcast about our uh about our journey as we do this together plus i i figured it would be fun for us to talk about it like um one-on-one especially after watching the movie oh yeah and analyzing it a bit more and basically uh, getting a better understanding of this film as a mm-hmm. whole, what or these films as a whole. Uh, we're going to do specifically um, the Walt Disney animated features, and by that I mean the ones that were made by Walt Disney Animation Studios. Right, because uh, I think there's an important distinction to make because there's been a few, I guess a few sort of features that were done by Disney and subsidiaries of Disney but aren't like sort of considered part of the 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 famous like animated movies like uh what 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 would you say is like a like how do we define well, this well that's why i'm saying we're going to do the ones that were done specifically by Walt Disney Animation Studios mm-hmm. and the reason for that is they've had a, an immense history a lot of ups and downs um they've had actually periods such as the um like with the golden age to uh the dark days to uh the revival um the the list goes on and on uh and it's interesting to note this history and what worked what didn't work um that's why we're not going to include Pixar films or uh the Ghibli films or which are all fine movies I mean don't get us wrong we oh, just no, like, oh no they're fantastic but for the sake of trying to we did Ghibli I'd just be like man what is with <laughs> all this Disney crap let's just talk about Hayao Miyazaki and how he's like the best person ever um I think the reason why is it's to understand what made it work what didn't work why things happen when they happened Right, and we want to do it on sort of a movie by movie basis, and uh, I think, I think, I think, but just by explaining it that way, I think that's people are going to get what we're aiming for here. I mean, you guys are going to get what we're gaming, we're gaming, we're gaming, gaming for. Blah, 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 blah. So we're going to talk about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> um, so we've decided we're going to go actually all throughout the movie, uh, from the first scene to the last scene. Um, and along the way, we'll give some tidbits. Uh, I actually um, 
looked up did looked up some factoids and did my research on the film mm-hmm. um, more so than David did. So well, I just know things because I'm me and I know everything. So, but maybe maybe Kayla will surprise me. So that's what I'm hoping for. So Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now we had both seen this movie in our childhood. I'm sure. Like I used to have oh. it on VHS. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so did I. And then my dad gave all my VHSs away. Thanks, Dad. I'm sure a lot of those are worth money now. <laughs> I, I, actually, a lot of the uh, VHSs I did give to my um, honorary uh, nieces and nephews, and mm-hmm. it's gone to good use. So. That's good. That's the important thing. And I like to think that maybe those tapes are still out there. Uh, hopefully keeping people entertained. Um, I, I do, do you ever miss like popping like your board one afternoon? This is before the advent of the internet and you're like, I'm just going to pop in a movie. Oh, I better rewind it. I have to do something while I'm waiting for it to rewind. Maybe I'll just pull out a book or something. <laughs> like it doesn't take that long to rewind, but it's like, we don't have, we don't have that anymore. We don't have that, that problem. We're not problem even. I'd say like, anyway, well, wow, that's waxing nostalgic when we're talking about a movie from 1937. Yes, it came out in 1937. Um, it was Disney's first animated feature, but not only that, it was the first. Uh, how did how was the word? First feature length cell animated film. So were there other feature length animated films before Snow White, or are we talking about cell animation? Specifically? Cell animation specifically. Okay, um, so still, it's probably like even if there was feature length and i doubt there was it's probably one of the first ones to really be like uh grounded in the style of you know wow you know drawings moving around on screen paintings moving around on screen and not only that it was in color which is astounding for that time right about it that is true that is true um one of the cool things uh i actually did get to have a tour of uh walt disney animated studios uh, the most jealous yes i know the most jealous and they actually did have the machine that they use in order to layer the cells upon the cells. Right. You know, and that was another, that was another thing that, uh, Disney kind of helped pioneer was the, the cell layering technique. So you, you can watch like for, for layman's terms, you know how you'll watch a, a scene in a, especially in an older Disney film and even some of the later ones going forward animated and you'll see stuff in the foreground that are, you know, background paintings, but it's foreground and they'll be moving slightly more, than stuff in the background, say, with a camera pan. Mm-hmm. And it simulates a camera pan, but what it is is just separate, separate animation cells labeled on, layered on top of each other. So it looks like you've got a depth of field, when in reality it's just all these different uh, painting cells set on top of each other, and they're moving one slightly more than they move another. So you get the impression of, like, say... Actually, this happens in this movie pretty early on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you see it all the time. like Because, um, like, there's a point... Uh, I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but, like, she's going across the field, and you can obviously see, it's amazing, because there is a bit, you can see the depth from when she's walking forward towards you. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that that was something that uh, Walt Disney and and the animators there uh, kind of pioneered, is that kind of depth there, and... Um, now, uh, up until this point, I mean, Disney had been mostly known for just doing the like the silly symphonies and the other animated like, you know, shorts and things like that. But and it gotten big off that. So this was when you think about it, it was kind of a gamble with this, right? It, it kind like, of it hadn't really been done before. No, so. it hadn't. And actually, um, the fact I mean, it was a great timing to come to think about it because movies were quite big at this time with the Great Depression mm-hmm. and at the time. The movies were cheap yeah. um, to go see them. 
uh, and the fact that it was something that was unique in fantasy, um, a play, a, a, a movie that you could easily in, escape into, uh, it, it was just, everything was perfect timing and it did break a lot of ground. Right. Um, uh, it came out on December 21st, 1937, premiered at the Carthay Circle, and... Oh, at California Adventure. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and actually, I mean, they, this was considered an amazing feat. Um, it didn't win an Academy Award, but um, it was nominated for Best Score for the 10th Academy Award, but then the next year... Uh, many people might remember this. Walt Disney was given an honorary Academy Award um, uh, for creating Snow White and the Seven Doors, which has been considered um, very, uh, like basically extremely significant in film history. Mm. And it, so you remember that scene where uh, Shirley Temple uh, <laughs> is giving uh, is, a, is telling uh, Walt Disney. Uh, thank you for your contribution. Yeah. And then she reveals that there's a, a uh, Oscar with like seven tiny little Oscars. Aren't you proud of it, Mr. Disney? <laughs> well, I'm so proud I could just bust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Why, did, why we took those different roles, I will. Uh, <laughs> why I automatically assumed I should do Shirley Temple. Uh, but yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, maybe, should we get into the movie? Let's or? talk about the movie. Well, I mean, like, kind of going into it, what do you, like, remember from your youth about the movie? Like, oh. do you remember really enjoying it compared to other ones, or? You know, it actually didn't stick out in my brain as a kid, but it was around, I, I do remember re-watching it when I was about 12 or 13. No, 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 I remember, re- I remember exactly when I rewatched it. I mm-hmm. was 14 years old. Okay. Because um, at the time, um... I uh, I was moving from apartment to apartment to apartment, and all of my movies were put into storage. So I missed them, and I was sad that I could not watch them. So there was a point when I was fourteen, my parents actually moved uh, my sister and I into a rented house, and the house was big enough to fit all our movies in. And I was ecstatic that I just rewatched all these films, and Snow White was one of them. <laughs> um. I mean, it didn't stick out as much, uh, as, but it, I, I still found a beauty in it. Uh-huh. I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I don't know if it was ever one of my favorites. I still really enjoyed it as a kid, but like, you know, there were other movies I think I would that in the Disney canon that I think were I, I enjoyed more. And having rewatched Snow White, I still feel like that's the case. I mean, obviously, we've just talked about like the the cultural and definitely like. Um, medium significance that this brought to like filmmaking and animation in general but um at the same time it's still I, kind of a you know i i kind of disagree with you there like re-watching it now knowing what i know and basically having a film education uh i i actually do have a film degree from usc uh, I was able to find things that I wasn't able to find when I was younger and mm-hmm. was able to interpret things that I wasn't able to ter- interpret before. Um, I, we could go delve into it a bit more once we get into the film. but Okay. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's interesting because, like, you know, it, maybe it's, it's tied to that nostalgia for me. I think I did enjoy it. Now that I think about it, I did enjoy it a little more than I did when I was... When I was younger, because again, I had that that appreciation for what it's actually actually presented, and I always understood that, but it was never like, um, it was never like, oh man, this is such. I don't know. I, 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 this is personal opinion. I think there's other, there's still other movies in the canon I enjoy more. Oh, absolutely. Than this one, but 
it's still a darn well okay well why don't we just talk about it and then we can kind of all right like so, talk about the movie's strengths and weaknesses and because we're gonna we're gonna this is what we're gonna do we're gonna gonna go through it and just talk about it so um i i mean the movie begins with um actually yeah the book oh my gosh yeah i was gonna say there's a book I, I was going to go right into the animated part, but then I remember it does begin with the book. So not a lot of, yeah, there, that was a trend for a bit in a, a few of those uh, Disney movies, actually. They would open with, a, with like, a book opening, right? So we get this really nice Snow White book, and it's a real book, and they open it, and you see this, you know, beautiful, like, calligraphy, like, just mm-hmm. text that talks about, like, here's the premise. So there's this queen, and she's kind of a bitch, and then, like, <laughs> and, and she's like... I want to be the prettiest. The mirror's like, you are. And then she's worried about her stepdaughter. So she's like, go scrub stairs. The very first thing we see Snow White do is scrubbing stairs. But first, we don't even see Snow White first. The very first character we actually see in the movie is the queen. Mm-hmm. And oh, the queen. Wow. The queen is uh, super rad. Yeah. Um, she's very elegant looking. Um like the way she moves is just gorgeous, but I think what really impressed me when I, uh, when I first saw it was when the mirror appears, and that's when you realize the cell animation, um, or this layering style, uh, is working its favor because you got originally the mirror followed by the smoke, then the fire, and then the face, and then. And the- and the face is almost like like it's there, but it's kind of got this like ripply sheen to it. So it's like you're looking at this masquerade style face in the mirror with all the smoke, and all that is obscured by just in the mirror by this kind of ripple effect that uh, you see some of, in some of the water effects in the movie too. Yes, and absolutely. You're like this is 1937. Like this is uh, this is probably like you look at the like you think about it now, and everything's just done like so easily by computers like they had to find a way to do this by hand and they found some cool technical tricks to do and i thought that's that's just impressive like all the i feel like the the parts i'm obviously the parts i'm going to enjoy the most about the movie are the darker stuff oh absolutely i i was because i have a creepy love of things uh when the dark stuff appears, I'm just like, ooh, this is so good. And which is weird for a movie like Snow White that the best parts are the dark and scary parts, which, again, we'll get into later. But, it, like, like the queen, how she moves, and then um, the fact that, actually, when she ap- approaches the mirror, there's kind of a silence. Like, the music is very... I, I don't remember if there is music, but it's very... It's very light. Yeah, and it just adds to that creepy atmosphere. It they This movie is very good. Again, it's Snow White, and it's very good. At the creepy aspect, yeah, you know, there. That's the part where the grim part of the Grimm's fairy tale comes in. You know, mm-hmm. like like you want your villain to be intimidating, and there's this air, there's this ominous air about the queen. But like, so all the scenes she's in are dark, but they're very regal. Like, I didn't really think about this before, but like, uh, there's all these little details. You'll see a lot of like uh, peacock imagery around the queen, yeah. which is really neat. Uh, like the like uh, later on in the movie, there's a part where you see her throne, and the throne is this big old peacock thing behind it. Which and, actually goes with the whole theme of her being obsessed with beauty and um, being like <laughs> attracting a, mates. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, I mean, that's been her main obsession is wanting to be young, wanting to be beautiful, mm-hmm. and which is a very it's strange because. 
for such a trait, it feels so one-dimensional. But yeah. then if you think of, like, um, people's obsessions with, uh, uh, especially nowadays, with wanting to look younger, uh, co- with cosmetic surgery becoming a bigger thing, um, it's n- it's not as unbelievable as a trait as you might believe. Right. Now, I mean, what are her prospects? This, are, I was thought about this. What are the prospects? Like, she wants to be, she wants to be seen, regarded as the fairest in the land. So she's, you know, constantly, be, she's constantly. I don't, I don't know what else she can get this mirror to do, but she's more concerned about using its power to like be considered the best looking babe. Here's what I've is it because she is it because she's afraid if she's not a beautiful queen people aren't going to listen to her or is it just because she's I vain think, or I think it's a fact you got to realize she now has everything it, that she could ever imagine like I mean she, that's true I mean she married the king she's now queen of this whole land so she now rules she has everything she could want also now, she's a she's a she's a witch she's, she's a got witch. like she has magic a, powers and then not only that her for the longest time her stepdaughter wasn't that big of an issue and actually the reason she basically did make her a slave is because well i have nothing else to do with you so just wash my stuff now because she didn't care for her Her, she just married her um father for um basically power and now the only thing that as like there's gonna be a point where i think for her it's like she's getting she gets whatever she wants she gets whatever she wants and now the one thing that she could possibly lose is beauty. Like, that's the one thing she cannot really hold on to. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a good point. Wow. Deep philosophy stuff. I mean, obviously it doesn't get to- touched on that much in the movie. Um, one other thing I was going to point out as a detail that looked interesting was the fact that the mirror, the magic mirror is surrounded by the, like, signs of the Zodiac. Yeah. I found that fascinating as well, too. I, yeah. I don't know why it's there, but it's interesting. What What do you think the queen's sign is? <laughs> She's probably a Scorpio, because all Scorpios are mystic and vain. <laughs> all right, Scorpio. <laughs> yes, as, as a Scorpio speaking. Um, I'm a Sagittarius. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius. So <laughs> Anyway, so um, for the first time, I mean, throughout every day, she asks, who's the fairest? And then Snow White. For the first time, Snow White Snow White is being told she's the fairest. And, and the queen's like, oh, no. Well, I can't take this sitting down. <laughs> but strangely enough, she doesn't like immediately go out and just like you know throw her daughter off a bal- stepdaughter off a balcony or something. Now this is the something I came to realize while watching the movie. Um, why is it now that the magic mirror is saying Snow White is now fair? That's because. She's reached that, so I, I, I'm not sure if many people know this, maybe some people do. She's 14. Snow White is a 14-year-old mm-hmm. in this film. Um, and that's the age when uh, puberty starts to not be as unkind, I would say. So she it's the point <laughs> where I mean, for where, mo- for not for some people, let's just say. Well, it worked out really well for her because like a couple scenes, like, the next scene is her in the courtyard, you know, doing the whole I'm Wishing song. And we'll get to the songs presently, but let's talk about Snow White for a second. Because okay. she's, like, yeah, she's got, like, this, like, round face and these, like, these this small mouth. And mm-hmm. she, I, I, she's... She's a... She's... 
correct. She's cherubic. She's definitely cherubic. <laughs> um, it's definitely, I like to think like, yeah, she's getting to that point. Uh, she was probably a chubby baby. She was probably a chubby baby. <laughs> Little chubby. chubby's no way. And, <laughs> and then as she went through puberty, um, she probably lost all the baby fat. Um, <laughs> but it, it did leave her a bit, uh, ha- kept her a round face. And she's still very, I mean, as a result, she did become beautiful out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm... She's very, the, she's very 30s beautiful in this, of course. Yeah. Like, like... Oh, so RKO Productions was, uh... But there was, there was no Disney pick. Disney wasn't, like... The, the distributor at this point it was RKO right yeah, yeah and you could tell how RKO is the sounding that comes out of it sounds like um you could do a better like welcome to RKO, RKO Pictures RKO Pictures presents yeah. Oh White and the Seven Dwarfs exactly kind and of, it's pronounced dwarfs apparently if you look at it that way yeah funny enough um it should be dwarves no. dwarves is Mm-mm. better Mm-mm. no it sounds better it does sound better but actually I looked this up um Dwarf was used in um, Lord of the Rings. Like D- Dwarfs? Uh, dwarfs is used in Lord of the Rings. So, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm listening, but still. A dwar- Dwarves, like D- D-W-A-R-V-E-S, is actually supposed to refer to humans that are of smaller size. Where dwarfs are supposed to ref- uh, ref- um, talk about mythical creatures. Okay, well then. Yeah. But now you don't usually call. Well, I mean, I don't. I guess you could. I don't know. <laughs> That's territory I necessarily want to go yeah, into. Yeah, I, I had that issue when I was younger too. I actually drew a picture of um, uh, Belle getting mad at um, Snow White and actually smacking her with a book and saying, "It's dwarves, not dwarfs." Uh, Lol. I, young, Kay- young, Kay- young Kayla. Uh, young Kayla's art. <laughs> All uh, to be revealed someday. Anyway, so, so so she's got so Snow White's down in the the courtyard, and she's like she does her thing, and and we see her first. We see the first uh, use of a long running trope in Disney movies. Princesses have the power to draw in helpful animals or to make ha- animals help them. In this case, she's already starting with the doves, and this power, this crazy supernatural ability she has, just grows throughout the film <laughs> until it eventually encompasses whole armies of forest animals. <laughs> So, um, but here it's just with these doves that are, like, hanging around the the well. So, uh, and then out of her voice comes this very high-pitched voice that we all know and love today. Could you imagine if she was voiced by the same woman who voiced Betty Boop? (laughs) Actually, okay, so, uh, factoid time. All right. Uh, Voiced by, uh, 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 I want to make sure I pronounce this right, Adriana Casaletti, or Casalotti? Casalotti? Something like that. Um... Okay. This was her only credited role. Walt Disney would not allow her to do anything else after this. Uh, that... He, mm. Well, here's the thing. Um, they Walt Disney did not want to ruin the magic for anybody else who watched her mm. or listened to her and think, wait, that's Snow White's voice because her voice was so distinct. So basically they owned her. Which is kind of tragic. It um, is a bit, yeah. Like you get it, you come off of something like that. God, dang, Walt! Like, come on, man! Don't be such a dick in the mud. However, she did. Jeez. She did do a couple of uncredited roles. Okay. Um. Actually, once you would know, David. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, it surprised me. Okay. So in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh. 
during the Tin Man song, you know, um, when he sings, If I only had a heart. Yeah. Uh, there's a part where you hear, um, Wherefore art thou, Romeo? Oh, that's, I know that part. That's her. That's her? She's uncredited, but that's her. That's so funny. And then in the second one, uh, she was in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Uh, she sang in um, um, Martini's Bar uh, while um, uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, is praying. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. I just, so the whole, so Snow White was like just following him around uh, the movie. Yeah, she... Or they said Martini's Bar. Yeah, so she, but she's incredible. Uh, 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 but that explains that weird scene in the movie where there's all those animals hanging around outside of Martini's Bar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was uncredited for that as well. But at least it's, it's interesting that um, she, that, and again, very sad. That because her voice was so distinct, she couldn't go outside of that. And mm-hmm. she had, if she did, the fact that she was able to do these couple things, very small as they were. Yeah, I, I, meh. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna have some words. Well, <laughs> where can I find that so and so? Well, his frozen head is. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so we get our first song here, and uh, you know, I'm I'm wishing. I'm wishing. I think the song itself is it's okay. I remember when we were watching it, we were just talking over this whole part because it's like, yeah, yeah, we've heard this song before. Like, okay, I, I get the significance of the songs, but I just want to just kind of in general talk about the songs as we hit them. Like, I'm wishing is memorable in in like a classic sense, but it's not a song that I'm gonna be like. Oh, I love I'm Wishing. I think the most impressive part of that whole scene is the um, echoing part and the fact that um, it's uh, it switches to this point of view from underneath the water. Oh, yeah, there's that bit again. Yeah, again, the cell layering. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive. Um, and the ripple effect and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um because you can tell what they're doing is they're they're you you're just getting you're getting the reflection you're they've got something between the, the animated cell of Snow White and then something that kind of distorts her image just a little bit mm-hmm. and I like want to know what specifically they did to do that technique and like, I can't although I wouldn't surprise you if it was drawn that way because like they were hardcore people were hardcore in the 30s and they yes, drew they everything everything. <laughs> Um, so she sings, and, uh, this is what, uh, the prince is walking by. Do we have a name for him? No. No, he's, he's Prince Charming. That's it. He's, he's literally just Prince Charming. I'm pretty sure that's, he's, he's the OG Prince Charming. Yeah. And he's riding on his horse, hears this, uh, lovely voice, and he's like, What ho? I think (laughs) I will climb over this wall and try to seduce this woman, because I also happen to have an amazing, uh, 30s vibrato singing voice, classically trained singing voice. Uh, so he comes, he sings with her, she freaks out, cause, guess what? She's 14! How old is he supposed to be? Hell if I know. He's probably 16, 17? Maybe. Uh, the thing about this is, I, I keep bringing up the fact she's 14, cause, if you think about it, this all makes perfect <laughs> sense. For all the people, no, no, you have no idea. So all the people are, that have criticized this movie about, like, oh, why would she fall in love so quickly? Blah, 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 blah. She's 14. She is 14. This is not This is a different, completely different time period in Germany. But not only that... That's right, it's set in Germany. But here's the thing. The reason I'm keeping bringing up 14 is 
She's also been sheltered her whole entire life. So when a, the first beautiful man who climbs over a wall and decides to finish a duet with her is immediately going she's immediately going to be smitten with. Of course, cuz I mean, when I was okay, when you were okay. When we were 14, um you, you, a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago. Uh, you, I mean, you've probably seen girls and you were like, oh, they're cute. Oh no, what am I going to do? And you just kind of crushed on them. And then they said, you had that idea like, oh, I must be in love with them. And you're like, honey. It's in fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the infatuation would kick in and you'd just be like. No. And, that, and that's what it is. You're 14 years old and you're like, oh, they're so cute. Oh my gosh. I must be in love with them. Because I can't stop thinking about them. And that's probably what it is for her. And it's the same for him. He sees her. She thinks she's beautiful. And we, we, but the thing is, we get, we actually get to spend some time with Snow Snow White. So we get to see her be like, ah, ah. So we kind of know that she's got like sort of like the fawning kind of thing. You see him and he's just kind of like, mm. <laughs> mm. One of the Actually, one of the cute parts... Uh, uh, there's a point when she's like hiding behind the curtain, and you can tell she's she's just infatuated. But she's looking at herself like, "Oh, I'm wearing I... this this dress, and oh my god, these clogs! She's wearing clogs." Yeah, and she's like looking at her dress like, "Oh god!" Uh, but he's just saying how much he loves her. One song, I... so kind of like I wishing kind of go flows into one song. Yeah, and I, I think that's an all it's an all right song. Yeah, it, it actually does flow nicely. Yeah. And then we get that famous bit where the camera pans up and there's the queen and she's like got the curtains in her hands. She's like, Ugh. and that's the moment I think she realizes like, yeah, I got to kill her. And that's why I got to get rid of this, this, this competition. This is why this is the one day that the mirror's like, okay, she's become now beautiful. Cause this is a point. She's actually now reached the peak where yeah. she's now become a woman in quotation. Mirror, mirror called it generic hot guy who has no personality has come over the wall. He doesn't really have a personality, does he? Like, I don't... Here's the thing. We're not given the time yeah, to we don't know get, him. We don't get to know him. No, we don't. I, he might have a personality. I don't know. We don't get time to know him. So, as a result, he's just the good-looking guy that 14-year-old Snow White has crushed on hardcore. Right. So... So that bit happens, and she's, like, behind the curtain, just, like, squeeing, basically. She's got her little fists balled under her chin, like, ah, oh, ah, oh, he sang a song to me, ah, oh, a courtly speech. And then, and then we get back to the queen, and she's talking to the huntsman, and she's like, ah, oh, so I want you to go out and just just kill Snow White, just kill her, but and then put can, her heart in this box. You can tell, what I like is the huntsman is like, are you... But your majesty, the little princess... Silence! Again, little princess, she's young. She's still... She's been seen as a child throughout this. And as a result, because she's been sheltered, has the mindset of a child. Yep. Again, as we go through this, <laughs> this will start to make yeah, this sense. Yeah, this is very important. Yeah, so the huntsman's like, nah. and But the queen says, like, you know the penalty if you fail. I'm like, is she gonna, like, like like imprison his family or something i assume he's an older gentleman he probably has like a wife and kids or something oh absolutely he basically he's been um hired by the queen and knows that it probably goes and catches her food he's a yeah. huntsman and gets paid for it but knows that if he fails 
she could kill him. She could kill his family. It doesn't even. I like the fact he, it doesn't. She doesn't even have to well, say. Well, the consequences are dire enough that he he's willing to murder a fourteen year old girl and then put her heart in a box. But not just that. The princess. She yeah. She is royal blood. You got to realize. Right. That. Right. Well, he probably would feel bad if he had to kill. If he had to kill anybody. I mean, maybe there's a sliding scale. Uh, go kill the village idiot. Okay, sure, fine. I don't really want to do it, but I guess I'll go kill the village idiot. Uh, kill my stepdaughter. Seriously, what? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, to prove it, he has to bring back her heart in this beautiful box. This it's a pretty it's a pretty exquisitely made box. Yeah, so she's got... I don't know if she went out specifically like, ah, oh, I'm gonna give myself a birthday present and she went and she got this box but it's like a, the clasp is a dagger going through a heart and it's like really nice and I'm like okay, so so did you did you just have that lying around? And you're <laughs> I, just like, oh, this is perfect. I could finally use this box. <laughs> Honestly, um... As as we went throughout this film, I'm like, is it just me, or is a lot of the um, art architecture slash, uh, like a lot of the items in here just look like they're so well crafted? Uh, every like, there's well, a, the, I, the like, craftsmanship, well, the movie. Yeah, well, like, just, like I mean, her throne is just gorgeous. Right. Again, we get that peacock image, and then later on, when you get to the dwarf's house. It's just like, whoa, someone put effort into making these items. Like, dang. Mm -hmm. It's it's really nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there's just detail carved into everything in those pets. I know that's because they're showing off the backgrounds. The animator's like, we can paint all of this. I know. We can do all of this, and it's going to be in the movie. We might as well make it look as good as possible. Oh, and they did. I'm I'm very impressed. There's some Uh, Claude Coates was one of the background artists. Uh, Claude Coates was one of Walt's, like, uh original Imagineers later on when he started getting into the parks and he did a lot of background work for Disney. That's what he was mostly known for and uh, would go on to do like the set design for things like Pirates of the Caribbean and the uh, the Haunted Mansion at Wait, Disneyland. Oh God, that makes more sense because all oh, the details in both those uh-huh, rides. Uh-huh. Oh, Claude, Claude was the one, Claude's the reason that we get a lot of the amazing like dark sets in the mansion. He's the oh. one responsible for those bits. And then it makes sense, because look at... Okay. Well, I, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Yeah, okay. That's right, we can jump around a little bit. That's fine. But again, like, when we get to the dark parts, they're just exquisitely done. But so are the, the bright parts, too. Like, then yeah. we, because, like, for example, we... I, I can't wait to talk about the Queen's Dungeon. I know. I can't wait to talk about the Queen's Dungeon. We'll get into that. Well, hold on. Okay, like, that, so... Okay, so Snow White goes, and, and she's picking flowers, and she helps a little... She even helps a little baby bird... And I'm thinking, I was thinking about this, Kayla. That's the catalyst. Like, normally she's just friends with doves, right? Yeah. But she helps this one little baby bird find its parents, right? This little super chubby-faced baby bird with these giant, giant doe eyes and, like, these big comical, these big cartoon tears. But you gotta admit... I love it. (laughs) This is, uh, again, there's this... as As I retell this movie, I'm starting to find the brilliance of it. So you got her doing this incredibly innocent, beautiful thing, and you realize how sheltered her life is, and just like she's doing something very kind. And this is co- this is switching back between her, and then switching back between the huntsman who's grabbing his knife, about to kill her. <laughs> I love. And you can hear, and then the music kind of like 
You hear it going kind of deeper. Da, da, then, da, da. Back to her. And then goes back to him. Da, 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 da. And then finally it swells into her turning and screaming, knowing she's about to be killed by someone she thought she trusted. Right. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. So like <laughs> so the, the, the part that I was gonna say though is that she sends this little bird off to find its parents. And I bet the birds flew off and told the other animals, like, hey, that's Snow White. She's really cool, and she talks to baby birds, and like, hey, well, maybe she'll talk to us, too. Uh, <laughs> unless she gets, you know, violently killed by the huntsman. So the huntsman's like, his shadow looms over, and he's going to stab her, and he just, he can't do it. He just drops the knife, and he's he explains think, to her, I'm, I'm trying to keep this kind of... Yeah, I know, but I, I think one of the reasons also is, you could tell he knows her well, and then she's doing it while doing a kind act. Yeah, so. that's the thing. The huntsman, like we established, he's he's not a bad person. He's actually, like, he's a noble person. So, despite everything, despite the fact that he puts everything at risk, he uh, he's like, I'll just, uh, you you run off, and I'll find a way to cover for you. He doesn't say that, but we know but he, he, we he's, know later he has a contingency plan. But he tells her in detail, it's like, she's mad, she's jealous, she, she'll stop at nothing, you gotta leave now. And she's, she's freaked out, and she runs into the woods, and immediately... Dark, scary forest. Oh, immediately the dark, scary forest. So amazing. Okay, where she's just imagining that everything, every, literally everything, is out to get her. And while we were watching it, you, you were sitting there going, "Oh my god, this makes so much sense right now." Because it's like it's not just a dark, scary forest where she's imagining that like that tree is a face or those logs in the water are actually crocodiles or whatever. Yeah, this like, is this is actually looking into her mindset after she's just been. It's like David. She's just been told that her stepmom, despite being a horrible woman to her and telling her, basically forcing her just to clean everything, still was like her stepmom and still took care of her for these years, wants to kill her. And she was about to be murdered. And now her world has just come crumbling down. She's not allowed to return home. Right. This is, this is like, this and is, she doesn't know what her, now she doesn't know, and she has no idea what her uh, stepmother is capable of at this point. Exactly. Like, everything she thought she knew was turned around, and she's by herself out in the world, and so, of course, she, she imagines that everything is out to get her. Yeah. So. And basically, this whole scene, beautifully animated, incredibly, I, it, like, I'm real, like, looking back, I'm like, wow, this movie actually is really good when you think about it. Um, beautifully scored just feels like it's like just her mindset as you can see her basically breaking down mm-hmm. I, I, it gets more and more intense too like there's that part where it's just like everything seems like it's closing in on her there's like trees with these horrible gnarled hands like closing in mm-hmm. there's a bu- there's a bu- there's bushes like actually turn that snagger clothes actually turn in like goblin hands and then like there's so many, there's like these evil eyes that come like swarming in on her and finally she just collapses and it turns out it was just a bunch of forest animals. Exactly. She's in a clearing and, and everything's fine, but she, she goes, she goes cuckoo for a second. She's just well, like, like she, how could you blame her? I, I don't, I, I don't blame her. I don't like this whole scene makes so much more sense now. Actually, the one part that pissed <laughs> me off is when she says, I'm so ashamed. No, yeah. Snow, no, Snow White. Well, that's there's there are there are some serious character flaws with her, like where she's just like, oh, she's just so pure and innocent. But but I, again, as I, she's as, fourteen, she's fourteen. She has the mind of a child. And I've and I've told you this. 
she has been sheltered her whole entire life, right? Because one, she's the princess, innocence and virtue. That's her, those are her those are her character traits. True, and then not only that, she has lost both her mom and her dad, and has just been faced to be faced forced to be a servant for her stepmom. And now she's a fugitive for no apparent reason. Exactly. So <laughs> the reason why she's so innocent and pure is because she's been so sheltered her whole life. She's been not allowed to go outside. She's mm-hmm. been basically forced to wear dirty clothes and just clean the castle. That's it. When someone's that sheltered, there you can't there's no way to like basically no, it's it's completely valid. It's completely valid. Like, I think people can look back and be like, oh, Snow White is such a no, 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 no. But, I mean, the context is all there. So, I mean, exactly. <laughs> but speaking, speaking of which, though, her superpower has grown. Because all these little animals come out, and she's like, oh, please don't run away. And she's and they come out, and she sings her, the second song of the movie. With a smile. And with a smile and a song. It sounds like this. It actually doesn't. Um, <laughs> so... I like I like this song. I actually like uh, the songs she sings in the movie. Like I actually think when, "With a Smile" the song is my personal favorite. Well, no, no, no. Maybe maybe "Whistle While You Work." I don't know. I I would say I don't know. I'm gonna say "Whistle While You Work," and I'll uh, when we get to it, I'll explain more why. But uh, again, this is probably the first song that actually feels like a legitimate song, mm-hmm. where the others kind of feel like the first two feel kind of like um they're just meant to play off each other. Yep. So, so she sings by singing this song. This is a song that firmly cements that she has power over animals. It's like by singing, <laughs> the animals all come to her. There's deer and squirrels, and there's one turtle that's always used for comic relief. The comic relief turtle. I'm just. I mean, we're going to refer to him from this point forward as comic relief turtle. And um, and there's some like more. There's some pheasants, right? Mm-hmm. And chipmunks and uh, birdies. Surprisingly, not not a ton of mice. No Mickey no, mice. No, actually. No Mickey mice, just deer and stuff. So the, the animals are like, she's she realizes like after she sings, she's like, oh, I feel so much better. She's like, she took a moment to clear her head, and now she's made all these forest friends, so she's fine. And they and she doesn't know where she's to stay, and the animals are like, come with us, and they take her through the woods, and there's a mute trumpet that goes, and then they go through the woods and. Um, then we reach the, the dwarf's cottage. I and uh, I find this hilarious because she sees this cottage, and this is again, this is the part where I feel like it's kind of like you're borderlining on some stuff here, animals. Because here's the thing: she's again, as I mentioned before, I can understand why she would think these things like. Uh, I mean, she goes in, she said, sturdy, and she's like, oh, they must be owned by children, because how could it be this small? Because she doesn't know what dwarfs are, or that people couldn't be small, but what do I know? And how could children possibly be this messy? What the heck is wrong with this place? And then realizes, oh, they don't have a mother. Aww. And then even the animals, like there's that one deer, that one fawn that looks at his mom and goes, Ma, don't ever get shot in a later movie. <laughs> and she's like, I won't. Don't worry, Bambi. I'll be okay. <laughs> but, um, see, I can believe this, because again, sheltered. Sheltered 14-year-old Snow White. Well, she even refers to it as a doll's house, which is, like, appropriate, I yeah. think, for her to, her mindset. 
Oh, look at this table. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you get too much further, one of my favorite scenes, parts of this, is this. This is the typical Snow White reaction to things. It's like, she's walking through the house, and all she sudden she goes, oh! And all the animals freak out. And they just run out of the room, and she and they, they bolt, and then she just goes, what a cute little chair! Okay. And sits down, the animals are that looking like, come on. That was actually pretty funny. That's I, a, that part always makes me laugh. That's like, a very good comedy thing. Actually... Here's, it's funny because, like, the beginning of the film feels very orchestral, very um, emotional. Well, the roller coaster, we just, it wasn't all that long ago that we came through the roller coaster of the the haunted forest or whatever. But the funny part is it starts to move into what I call the silly symphonies. um, Territory? Territory. Especially when the dwarves come in. Uh but cuz if you think about it especially with the animals there's a lot of comedic stuff that pops up like a couple of gags uh-huh. like for example um uh that i think the cute little chair one was the one that kind of starts it yeah and after that it start a lot more things pop up especially when she says we're going to clean this place mhm and then whistle while you work comes in. Right, and the, the whole reason the, she her her logic is if I clean this house and surprise these orphan children that apparently use pickaxes <laughs> and like leave pickaxes at tables, uh, then I can then maybe they'll let me stay. Like I don't know what's going through her mind uh, in this case. Like you look at this place and go like these are either very these are very industrious children or. They really She's, are, or their parents are dead and they're just living by themselves. Exactly. And again, you got to realize 14 year old mind of a child. You got to think how. Okay, yeah, yeah, I am. I am. This is, uh, this is, I'm just saying for, for, but, for, for the rest, you, so you don't have to repeat it in the future. Okay. 14 year old mind, mind of a, a child. child. That's all we got to say, right? Anytime we question anything with Snow's logic, 14 year old mind, mind of a child. child. Okay. Basically has just blossomed into. Looking like a woman, but yes. it still has that mindset of a child. Got it. Okay. So basically, so whistle while you work. I like this song better than um, uh, than with a smile and a song because I, I do too. I think one, it's more memorable. Uh, two, there's a lot more um, visual. Mom- uh, moments with it and this is why i say this is the silly symphonies part because mm-hmm. there's a lot of quirky stuff that happens yes for example um uh like the part where uh what is it the squirrels are sweeping the dust and under a rug and she's like ah i'm not under the rug so they decided to sweep it into this mouse hole to which a mouse blows it out and gets upset at yeah, this is where all the like cute little gags come in with the animals. They're like, like, like when that one uh, squirrel is using its tail like clean the dishes, and then the deer is licking the dishes, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh no, put them in the tub." So they do, and I'm glad they did because later on the doors would be like, "Why does everything taste like deer spit?" <laughs> so, or like, uh, there's one. I think it's like a chipmunk or something is trying to uh, wind up the. Uh, one of the spider webs, and then yeah, there's a little, there's a little chipmunk. Earlier, there was a squirrel using its big bushy tail to get the cobwebs, and the little chipmunk is trying to emulate the squirrel, and it gets stuck. <laughs> and then an angry, like cartoon face spider comes out and shakes its little eight legged fists at him. It's got a, it's got like a, it's got like a classic like 
cartoon like like underbite kind of face yeah like, comes out like Nrr. this has a this uh, uh, again this has started to get into silly symphonies because there's a lot of great visual gags all right um but, yeah um i think another reason uh, another thing about this movie that i started to realize this is definitely for kids in a way where it's like look how much fun you can do Stuff that you don't want to do. Well, I think that's a good lesson for anybody, to be honest. Remember, this is when when the movies were made. Like people always say, like, "Oh, Disney movies are kids' movies," and I think to myself, "Well, Walt never intended to be just for kids. No. Like this movie is a, is a work of art in a lot of ways, and um, you know, to call it a kids' movie, well, to say that and, and think of it in a disdaining way is like also insulting to kids." Yeah, but the but the thing the main reason I say well it's not a kids movie is like well this movie was intended for everybody Walt want I mean it's it's it's, it's an always, art piece it's, it's intended for families and think about like think about the way old shorts were shown in theaters before there was TV that's true old animated shorts they were a lot more just slapsticky and that was more intended kind of for adult audiences you know uh, but that was always his intention was it was supposed to be for the full family to enjoy but what right. I, what I'm saying here is. This is kind of some of the few moments that pops up where it's like telling kids, you can have fun while you do something you don't like to do. For example, cleaning up cleaning up the room. So that's what would just whistle while you work. Yep. Um, or have lots of animal friends who will do the work for you. Like she got the house done in no time because like she had a th- but, an army of forest creatures at her bidding. But I mean, the song itself, "Just Whistle While You Work," is like a uh, a tune you can sing while you basically are trying to clean up and get stuff ha- get stuff done. And basically, the idea behind the song is if you think if you think of a happy tune while you clean, it'll make the work done faster. Well, that's why I listen. I, I listen. Uh, just listen to podcasts while you work. Do 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 It's it's true. It works. So then we finally get. Um, to the dwarfs because we we go to the we go to the dwarfs and diamond mine. I'm not gonna lie, the dwarfs are my favorite characters. Well, the dwarfs are the best part of the movie, in I, my opinion, other than the queen. Okay, and now it's time for another factoid. Well, first of all, let's name all seven dwarfs. So we got we got Doc, Happy, uh, Bashful, Grumpy, Dopey, Sleepy, and Sneezy. Yes. So that's all the those are the seven dwarfs. There are going to be named some other weird names, by the way. There were some other considerations. Okay. This included Busy. Busy. Krabby. Sounds like a, sounds like Grumpy just having, Krabby just needs more, five more minutes in (laughs) bed. Daffy. (laughs) You're You're despicable. You're going to Dumpy. Dumpy. (laughs) I don't know why that one. Flabby. (laughs) Wow, this is kind of cruel. Flabby. Helpful. Eh, Nah, well, I mean, Doc is the only odd dwarf out in that regard. Having a helpful dwarf. Lazy. So basically, Sleepy, just with a more of a, uh, just more of a procrastinator attitude. There's more. Scrappy. (laughs) Oh, God, no. No. Puppy power. Sniffy, which I think would have been replaced for Sneezy. Yeah, Sniffy would have just... Sniffy, like, if you had just taken all these other dwarf names and put them in instead of the other ones, you've got their cousins, and they're just the most obnoxious group of dwarves. Like, Grumpy is okay. Oh, you old Grumpy. Krabby is so much more annoying sounding. Yeah, that, ju- that sounds like they're going to attack Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> Snoopy? Is, is, this, is Snoopy, like, the pervert dwarf? 
Uh, and here's stubby. Stubby. <laughs> Thrifty. I don't know how that would have played in. This is the one who, uh, who like, who actually has... No, uh, Thrifty is the foreman of the diamond mine where the dwarfs work, seven dwarfs work, and says, no, 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 you worked all day. You got to put them in the vault. Put mm. them in the vault. Don't do anything with them. And then maybe when I get some coupons, we can use them. <laughs> you know? And the then, Thrifty Dwarf. And then Wheezy. Wheezy. <laughs> I feel like... I'm glad none of these dwarfs were in this movie, I gotta say. Uh, I think a couple of these were meant for uh, Sneezy. And actually, here's another fun factoid. Uh, comedian Bill Gilbert, or Billy Gilbert, uh, uh-huh. he, when he heard that one of the dwarfs were going to be named Sne- uh, Sneezy, he called up Walt Disney and gave him his famous uh, sneezing gag and got the part. For wow. That. Which I, I love the... F- I, 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 there. It's funny because all of these... Um, Usually you think of them as a whole, but they are all voiced by different men. Yep. I, I mean, you, you could kind of tell the difference, but, you know, it is it is interesting that they all... Um, actually, another fun fact, and I, I had brought this up to you earlier. Dopey was initially was supposed to talk, and he was going to be um, voiced by Mel Blanc. That's right. And I'm like, aw, man, Mel Blanc could have been in a Disney cartoon. I know, but instead he was made mute instead. But then he the same thing was going to happen um, with Gideon for Pinocchio. Ooh, and we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. But the vocal effects that Gideon does, that's still done by Mel Blanc. That's, that's a, okay, so, so Mel Blanc is in a Disney movie. Yeah. Technically. Technically. Gideon doesn't have a ton of vocal bits, but like he, I think he does... Like gulp at one point or something. Yeah, that that well, that'll be our next. Or hiccup. Film. That's our next film. So that's right. Okay, so uh, but uh, on Snow White, so we have our our do our doofy. We have Doofy and Stumpy and Thrifty <laughs> and Dumpy and Wheezy and Flappy. I just imagine Dumpy just like as crappy. <laughs> Dumpy just like. It's like Mr. If like a Mr. Plinkett was a dwarf. No! Hey, no! hey, hey, does anybody? Okay, so we're gonna go home. Does anybody want a pizza roll? <laughs> so, so yeah, the, 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 we have the diamond mine where all the dwarfs are working, and they there's like a jillion diamonds in there. It's like the biggest. Like they <laughs> they struck it rich. These guys are so super wealthy. They must be. I don't. But know. they are not. Yeah. Did what do they do with the diamonds they mine? I have no idea. I'm assuming it goes to whatever kingdom of some magical thing. But it may, it kind of makes sense. They probably use all those diamonds to uh, spend on that lovely uh, cottage uh, architecture. That they, they did put a lot of effort into the, the, what they yeah. carved in that in that place. Unless maybe they didn't carve it themselves. Maybe they they have a taste for expensive furniture. And they every like so often they take their diamonds to like a, a dwarf craft fair in some <laughs> valley, and then they they commission artists to do their stuff. I, so like that's like look because there's a part uh, a little bit later where Snow White sees their beds and it has all their names carved in them, and like. I, I for some reason I don't trust Dopey to like carve his own name into a thing and make it look that good. Yeah. So they probably and bought all it, that cottage and all that stuff. In I it. I would like to believe they bought all that stuff because if you think about it, they're very dumb, <laughs> lazy. If you think about it, <laughs> like I because uh, their whole house is a mess. Yeah, it's like no one's lived. It's it's actually to the point where where she wonders if no one's lived there. 
yeah. in a while. And like, I mean, there's a ton of cobwebs. They, they don't take the time to clean or anything. So it's like, okay, I guess then. It, 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 well, and they even know it too. So like, I mean, jumping ahead a little bit, when they get back, they're shocked to find the place is all clean. Exactly. So, but they, but they know specifically what's missing. Like that's how well they know. It's like, okay. So when you think well, about Snow, Snow, uh, ex- she's 14. <laughs> yes. And she's got the mind of a child, but. Well, well she spent her, her whole life cleaning. Right. So she thinks that's the way to go. But the dwarves probably had like super, you know, organized chaos going on in there. So when <laughs> they get back and they find everything is disarray, they're just like. What the hell? We just can't find anything now. I know how that feels, too. Uh, there used to be points where, um, like, when, uh, when I was younger, um, my mom would be like, your purse is a mess. You need to clean it out. I'm like, oh, man. And then I would clean it out, take everything out, and then I'd be like, I would try to look for something in my purse, and I'm like, see, this is what happens when I get made to be clean my purse. I don't know where anything <laughs> is anymore. Uh. But yeah, so they're doing the diamond thing and they mine and you get some you get some gags with like dopey and stuff. <coughs> but then that kind of bleeds into Hi Ho, which is uh it is the best good. song. Er, well in my opinion. In my opinion. It is a, okay, yes, it's a great song. Well, it's okay, great. no 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 no. There's one other song later that one. I enjoy more. And I, and same here. And But this is of iconic songs in the movie. The, and hi, most of them are. Hi Ho is very iconic. It's very uh, visually, it's gorgeous to look at too because the sun is setting and they're walking and there's like a waterfall. Yeah, I remember when we were talking about that, like uh, the the depth of fields. I don't. There's a specific name for that style of uh, I, I, of animation. Listeners, uh, I- any animators out there, if you know this, please. We'll we'll have it down pat by the time we get to the next episode. But uh, at this point, we're just like, okay, uh, what does it mean? So, uh, what is it called? But they use that in great to great effect in this scene because you got the part, the really iconic part is when the dwarfs are walking over that log that spans yes. like a cliff and you can see this like sunset forest and mountain range like well far below and Dopey's kind of lagging behind and it's this great scene where you just see this this world the dwarfs live in and, and it's like... along with Hi-Ho Plane, which is a very <clears throat> uplifting song if you think about it, it's just very... It's home from work we go. I can't whistle, I know you can it. I've tried to close enough. Yeah. So that hi ho hi ho. It's just very. Uh, it's easy to sing to. The words are easy to memorize and sing along with, and it's just very uplifting. It's a it's a very happy song. Mm-hmm. There's one part that I always thought was interesting. This is a really small bit. It's right when they first start singing, and then they first exit the mine. Uh, it like pans away like the backs up from the mine entrance and instead of them coming around the corner there's a, a frame where they're not there and then suddenly a frame where they're in the mine emerging from it mm-hmm. if you look closely you'll see it i'm like sit blip and then they're there i'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just you know otherwise exquisitely like animated like where attention to detail is, is intense um it's just one part that's just kind of jarring and I, I i challenge you all you'll you'll spot it if you look for it it's right in like that transition part they just blip into existence at, instead of it. each frame of them like rounding the corner. It's supposed to seem like they just rounded the corner out of the dark. And the rest of it is fine, but there's that part. Anyway, they Snow White goes to sleep. In the, uh, again, the... Their beds upstairs. And actually is large enough to sleep in three of their beds. And uh, she's 
narcoleptic. She's just out like a light in two seconds. Hey, I, I'm the same way too. So she's like Kayla. She's out like a light in two seconds. I have the ability to sleep anywhere. You have the ability to fall asleep like instantly too. It's true. It's really cool. It's, it's a good talent it's to awful. have. At times it's awful because there's times I'm like, I am so tired. And David's like, well, can we stay a little bit later, up later? I'm like, okay. <laughs> She'll just, she will fall asleep anywhere. But, uh, we, um, but anyway, she, she, cla- she goes to bed and the animals, and I realized finally the what the animals, animals are, <laughs> they're <laughs> sleeping in the cottage in different rooms and in the beds. Cause here's the funny part. I remember when I told you the reason why she, I, I can understand her going in. How the hell did the animals decide, you know? We saw this weird cottage with these seven guys. We totally think you should go there. Well, now we know their ulterior motive. They were just trying to get her to infiltrate, so they had an excuse to go in and take over the Doris cottage. Exactly. So they, they are living the high life. They're living like humans now. They live in the... Or like dwarfs, I guess, because they're living in there and they're cozy. But the moment the dwarfs start singing, they're just like, we're out of here. And they, they bolt it. They bolt out of there. <laughs> and they run. And they leave Snow White to die. <laughs> I just find it hilarious because it's just like, first off, you got this um, turtle trying like to get up the stairs. He's been trying to get up the stairs this whole time, too. That comic relief turtle. Yes. And then the fact that it's like, if they were really concerned, like they or really didn't understand the meaning of, you know, I think it, they'd be totally cool with you staying here. They wouldn't have bolted as soon as they heard them singing. They mm-hmm. knew. Oh, they knew that. <laughs> They're like, oh, maybe we could take over it now that we have her along and she understands us. <laughs> oh, crap. They're coming. Boom. They're gone in an instant. Except that poor turtle. The poor turtle has to rush for it. Although there are three birds that are just hiding in the rafters. Anyway, but all the animals are hiding nearby. And the dwarfs come up and they freak out because they see the lights are on and the smoke coming from the chimney and cue the very long and this is actually a part i really like in the movie is when they think they're trying to work up the courage to go into the house and find out what's happened and they're they're thinking it's an intruder it's a monster it's a goblin well, or the, something the like cool that part about this scene too is not only does it feel like a silly symphony gag um mm-hmm. you can actually see their personalities come through uh uh-huh. Like and not just like oh well Doc's the smart one, um, I like the fact that he thinks so fast that he kind of messes up his words because I do the same thing. Yeah, that's his that's his that's his cute gag. That's also kind of like you know he he thinks faster than he talks. Exactly, which so, is why he's the leader. And I like that like those little things are added in. Um, you can see them past uh, uh, just what they are like with Grumpy. Uh, yes, he is grumpy, but like you could tell, there's something there. Like he's been betrayed or something. You think? Do you think ever? Do you think Grumpy used to be the leader of the dwarves, and then Doc came and took over, and he's just resented Doc this whole time? Maybe <laughs> extra canon to think about. Exactly. So or extra head canon. So um, yeah, so they all do this whole humorous bit where they're sneaking around the house, and of course, anytime anything super ridiculous happens, it usually happens to Dopey. Yeah, 
I, Who's the only beard, beardless dwarf? Yes, he is the only beardless dwarf. He's Actually, also bald. Uh, I, I told David this um, while watching him. Like, I think Bashful's... Uh, Bashful. Bashful's... There, see, I have that doc quality. Yep. Bashful's my favorite because uh, there's moments that it's just like... You could tell he's just shy around people he doesn't know. But, like, around them, he's like... The cups have been cleaned. The sugar is gone. The sugar's gone. And you're like, oh, bashful. And I'm like, I understand. I would be upset if my sugar was gone too. Yeah. Uh, did why did they wash the sugar cup if it the sugar thing? If I, it's been, I think it only had a little bit of sugar left, like stuck it, around the rim. But as someone who's like, uh, who loves her peanut butter or like loves it, uh, loves like um, uh, the ice cream. I want to, uh, if there's still a little ice cream left, I want to eat the rest of that ice cream. Mm-hmm. Or I want to eat the rest of that peanut butter. No, I want that little bit left. Dang it, I will grab for it. It's huh. probably the same with him. There was some sugar left in this. Damn it, I want that sugar. Right. So they... they uh, Again, bits of their personality start to emerge that you can feel for. Yeah, they do. This is the where you get introduced to them as characters. And this is where you get commie bits. You get Sneezy, who sneezes them all out of the house because he has hay fever. See, You've got uh, Grumpy arguing with everybody. And... Uh, but it like when they here's the thing with the uh, with uh, the guy with hay fever. I get that because I get allergies when the weather gets crappy too. So so basically, what you're saying is there's something relatable about all of them. Yeah, despite the fact that they're sort of like their their names are their personality traits. Exactly because there's a bit they add a bit more to it. Like for example, Grump, uh, with Grumpy, uh, there's a point where they're like. Something's cooking. It smells good, and Grumpy's like, "Don't touch that. We don't know what's in it." I always thought this this be- that 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 bit amused me so much as a kid, where he's just, "Don't touch it, you fools. It might be poison." And then when he says poison, the thing goes, and it hisses at them, and they just freak out. And then see, it's a witch's brew. See, it, it, and it's actually come. It's a good gag. It is a good gag, but not only that. Uh, it's actually kind of an interesting way to think because they're all very, uh, many of them are pretty optimistic. Uh-huh. And it's nice. He is a bit more, yes, pessimistic, but it's also brings him down into realism. You, you know, Grumpy has has fought against ogres and goblins in the he's past. He's seen some shit. Yeah, Grumpy, Grumpy, uh, Grumpy has defended their lives time and again. I'm uh, sure of it. God, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's the he's the uh, the. <laughs> he's a he's a miner, of course, but like when when it comes to like defending them, if they need to take their diamonds anywhere, Grumpy's the one you give the big the big club with a spike through it too, and get okay, Grumpy. Anything comes to attack us, you just beat beat them up. Exactly. And then there is another gag where there's the three birds, like the family <laughs> birds. And I was telling you this was like, what trolls are these? Yeah, because they like they like peck the top board and they think there's something moving around those stairs and then they all scream and all the dwarves freak out and run out of the house <laughs> like they're freaking out because they're like you know i think they think it's a ghost yeah I'm like it's wow good. what tr- they're such trolls i like those birds so so yeah shenanigans happen i, I we're gonna be here forever if we talk about each individual bit of shenanigans i know i know i just love the more violence is in- inflicted on dopey on accident and you yeah. know stuff like that happens he gets sent upstairs first and he sees uh, Snow White under the covers, like rising up Stretching. like some horrible ghost. And then, but and then more stuff happens. But eventually, they go to like they they go to like 
they finally gather the courage to finally like um, they're gonna they're gonna straight up like start beating Snow White, but then they pull the covers out and they're like they freeze and there she is and, and there's a super close up of her on her on her angelic cherubic face. Yeah, and they're like, it's a girl. She's mighty pretty, like an angel. angel. I ca- I kind of like the fact that um, Happy has a. Uh, Southern accent. <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah. yeah. What actually I find amusing is there's when, when she wakes up, they all hide behind the, uh, they all hide behind the beds. Yeah. And when they pop up, all their noses pop over. And there's a lot of gags in this, uh, movie involving their noses. Yeah. Specifically. Like That's when Grumpy's hiding in the t- potato bag, uh, at oh, one yeah. point <laughs> earlier. And then he's like, he pops out, but his nose is just among the potatoes. <laughs> such a good Um... So she wakes up, and uh, uh, they they finally introduce each other. And everybody but Grumpy is quite taken by her. Oh yeah, because Grumpy's like, man, I've dealt with doppelgangers before, and hags, and clearly he's like, you know, uh, he's the D and D adventurer of the group, and he's like, we gotta be suspicious of this stranger in our house who came and ruined everything. Grumpy is. Grumpy should be the leader. He's the voice of reason in this well, situation. He actually does start to lead. I again, we'll get into that later. Right, but um, Grumpy. Well, I feel like Grumpy more than any other dwarf has a character arc, little as it may be. Now, no one is super fleshed out in this movie. Obviously, no. this is still them treading new ground. But that being said, Grumpy has the biggest character arc I think of anyone in this I movie. Agree. I agree. <laughs> he actually learns something and changes. So basically, they get to know each other, and uh, she goes. Uh, she goes down because she hears the soup boiling, and it goes to check on it. And they're she, like, they've, "Yeah, they've agreed to let her stay for in exchange for her continuing to like basically take care of them." Yeah, basically to clean. Especially after admitting, "Yeah, so my stepmom's trying to kill me." And who's your stepmom? She's the queen. Oh, that. Bitch. <laughs> Oh my god! Because they're like, oh, she's a princess. Oh my god! And your 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 mother, your stepmom's trying to kill you. Yeah, you could stay. And then she actually said, uh, by staying, she would actually cook and clean for them. And the fact that she can make gooseberry pie, hooray! She stays. Do you think in their heads they're going like a women to make a sa- women making us sandwiches sandwiches? <laughs> uh, and then we get into as I mentioned before. Lesson number two, it's fun to clean. Right. So the, the reason I'm convinced that the dwarfs didn't build anything on their own is they act like they've never seen bath water before. That's true. <laughs> so they have to wash up and they get that silly song that they do. And the whole long segment where they're outside washing and Dobie's trying to catch soap that's like slipped out of his hand. Meanwhile, Grumpy doesn't want to join in and they force him into the water. You know, and basically they try to drown him. The funny part is uh, <laughs> while listening to the, while every time I've been taking a shower since that, um, um, watching that film, I've been always thinking like, well, I'll wash it. Like, <laughs> like lathering up a lot. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing this, I bring out the soap. And then you go, (laughs) and that's in my head while I'm doing this. Yep. Oh man, what but, do you think of this whole sequence, though? It's it, it, like it, you mentioned the silly symphony thing. I think there's no this, this, better example of it than this whole sequence. Oh, because the whole thing actually has a as small as it is, it does have a story arc. Because there's a point where you got Grumpy making fun of them. He's calling them like little sissies and um, all that. And then finally they decide, 
that's it. We're not going to take it anymore. So they trick him into putting him in. So they're like whistles as they're surrounding him and he's just sort of not noticing. And then I think the funny part is when you hear Doc say, get him! (laughs) (laughs) They just tackle him. It's a whole struggle to get him to the tub. So it's like, it's nice to deviate. Like, like clearly the dwarfs, one of the reasons they're the best part of the movie is they bring uh, a real major sense of some, like, comical conflict. They bring the comedy. Now, I, I don't know if they're, like, brothers or they're just best friends, but you could Maybe tell. Maybe they're related. I have no idea, but you could tell if they've been together for a long time. Yeah. They act like, they totally act like, uh basically brothers. I mean, like, uh, they have no problem. Like, I mean, he's making fun of them. And then finally they grab him and they're cleaning him and they're putting flowers in his, in his hair. And he's like, look, isn't he pretty? Cause he was making fun of them I love, I love how much they're all laughing with each other at his expense. Yeah. It's pretty great. And they just ditch him when the food comes up. Now, fun fact, there was a deleted scene in this movie. Really? Yeah. There's a whole scene where they're, where they're being shown dinner etiquette that was only done in, in, uh, in, like, test animation. It oh. was never fully done. Again, let's teach kids how to be polite. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it's, it, I don't know if it was a scene they necessarily needed, so it's probably okay that they cut it out, but, uh, yeah, but keep in mind, so yeah, so keep in mind, um, so, they've been gone for what is essentially just, like, one night. Yeah. So, by the way, I think this is when we start to go into uh, the next best scene. Right. So we go back to the queen. And she's like, (laughs) yo, mirror, who's the fairest one of all? And he says, well, she's in the cottage of the seven dwarves and she's still the most beautiful. And like, no, she's dead. Like, check out, check out my cool tchotchke box. (laughs) There's a heart. There's a human heart in here. He's like, that's a pig's heart. And we're like, ah, the huntsman, he tried. But the mirror ratted on him, and the look she gets on her face, she's like, I've been lied to. Well, if you're going to do something right, you got to do it yourself. But you know when she realizes she's got the heart of a pig and she's been tricked, she's like, that huntsman's going to get it. And you're like, uh, but it, you, I don't want to think. Well, here's the funny part. He doesn't, though. No, because the queen, yeah, the queen dies before she gets a chance. Yeah, because she. Sure. So it's like, oh, phew. Okay. That huntsman, that huntsman lucked out big time. So anyway, she goes down to the dungeon. Oh, and there's that part where she's walking down the spiral stairs. Yes. And her cape is sweeping behind her epically. There's this great meme, and as uh, as someone who's been cold lately and just been covered in blankets, like how I walk when when I have a blanket wrapped around me. The queen, the queen literally walks everywhere like she's wearing a snuggie. So like, Uh, but, um. There are so many skeletons down there. I there's well, one hanged by the neck. There's one in an upright ca- casket. That's, like that's later on. But before no, 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 no. Like even when she's just making her way oh, into the 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 alchemy laboratory, I noticed there are several skeletons in the background that are just stuck in random places. And she's like, the queen in her spare time leaves them in dungeons and they they're there to rot. And it's, it's like it's funny because the like during I didn't even notice because it be, it doesn't become as subtle after the fact. But no, there's several parts earlier where you see her cruelty on, or later when you see her cruelty on full display and sort of you understand it. But there's several skeletons just like propped around in the background before she even gets to the lab. And this is just the random generic like underground section. I'm not even sure it's quite the dungeon. That's true. But yeah, and then it gets to the beautiful, amazing scene where she starts to make the potion to disguise herself. And it's just... 
Oh, it's so cool. Right. So, she, yeah, she puts it together, and there's this great sequence where she transforms from the... I love the whole process she goes through where she makes the potion and all the ingredients she works in. It's a great spooky scene. And then she transforms from the queen to the old hag visage. And this is the part where I guess add in a factoid. All right, give us is, give us your factoids. This is my favorite one. So who who voiced the Wicked Queen? Uh, Lucille Laverne. Lucille Laverne. Um, she was a she was in her sixties around this time. Okay, uh, so she she was actually older. Now she's great. It's like she, she has an amazing voice for the queen. Yeah, her it's very silky and smooth. Um, now uh, when um. Her voice was being tested. The, they weren't going to see if she would do the hag as well. And each time they did it, they, it just didn't sound right. And she's like, G- give me a second. So she left the room and then uh, comes back in. And then she does it. And it sounded perfect, exactly how the hag sounds in the movie. And they're like, how did you do that? What what happened? And then they, she says, I just removed my false teeth. <laughs> and I'm... So the fact that's true, that's true. That she just was like she took her teeth. It sounds like you could you can tell it's the same woman, but the voice way the way the voice is done is so drastically. Wow! I know that's some incredible voice acting. Voice actors, if you're out there, get false teeth. <laughs> well, that's how you can change your voice. Well, for her, I mean, again, um, she's a bit older, so you can imagine that now she has dentures. So right. I mean, my uh, my uh. I would always get scared because my grandpa, when I mean, he was in his fifties, and when he had dentures, and one of the things he would do to scare me is like take out, like do the thing with his. He wouldn't take them out. He would do the thing with his tongues to like show that he could take his dentures out, and I'd be like, ah, no. Oh man, yeah. So, 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 uh, she's setting up that. And that's and that's an amazing scene. And there's also there's a there's a ran, random raven sidekick that she just keeps down there. And then now she's an old hag. And wow, she looks. That old hag is actually frightening, and the way she speaks—it's those huge golf ball eyes, isn't it? Hmm? She has those huge, huge yeah. eyes. Like they're bigger than like anything else on her face. They, they, and her face is so sunken, but she's got these giant bulging eyes, and like it's. It's really cra- it's really crazy looking. She's really crazy looking, and I love the design I for this too. old. She's like, I'm a harmless old peddler woman. I'm like, what harmless old peddler woman has has like literal golf ball eyes? <laughs> no, 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 no basketball eyes. Those eyes are huge. Ah, uh, so fantastic transformation scene. Then uh, with her reading the book about the sleeping death. Sleeping death. Because she has to choose the most. She wants to. She wants poetic justice, I guess, for some reason. Like, I don't know why she. I guess she's bored. Anyway, uh, we go back to the dwarfs and they're like, and then you can sleep in our bed. No, no. You're missing the best scene. What? Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Wow. I can't believe I almost forgot. Okay. That we've been building up to this. This is, I think between the two of us, do we agree? Uh, This is our favorite song. Yes. In the movie. Yes. Yeah. This whole sequence is great. The reason why I love this, this song, it's the, uh, silly, uh, the silly song. And the reason why is it's just so musically eclectic. And then not only that, you could tell whoever is doing the music for this is having a ton of fun. Yeah. Because not only do you have a bunch of guys uh, singing uh, silly stuff and it's very random, you 
the characters are showing their parts very well, are playing their parts very well. Like, there's a part where Bashful's like, hey. <laughs> like, all embarrassed. Grumpy's playing, Grumpy is the one playing the organ. Yeah. Thereby establishing why they keep him around. Yeah. That's the only reason. The only reason. Because he get, he, he's the one who says, guys, I'm going to buy this organ. Why do we need an organ? I can play it. Done. <laughs> wait, wait. Some other nights, they're just sitting around. They're like, hey, Grumpy, can you play Inagata DeVita? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because he all of a sudden and, and that gets bashful going and then um it's because the whole thing is just so musically fun like uh there's a part that goes yeah the little bird comes out at the high note of the organ and then you got uh a guy the other dwarves are playing instruments and it's just like a variety of fun instruments and then the Doc's pretty handy with that mandolin, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, you got the scene where Dopey decides to go on top of Sneezy out of all the people to... Uh, to dance with Snow White? Yeah. Oh, that scene is charming. That, that is scene's charming legitimately scene. charming. And it's just such, it's just so fun. It's just so silly. It's a great scene because you see Snow White bonding with the dwarves and the dwarves bonding with Snow White and each other. And it's... It, it's kind of an essential scene, like the scene with where that that I found I found out got cut from the movie. Not as essential. I think this if if one of those two scenes had to go, I'm glad it was that first one because this scene is, uh, I I love it. I it's a good too. scene. Uh, and again, all of the dwarfs uh, get to showcase like uh, um, not just their personality but also like their musicality. The ones that can sing, do sing. And yeah, what's funny is Happy and uh, Happy and Bashful are the only ones who get uh, a, like a a, ly- uh, a lyric that's in there. Tr- the chorus goes to all the dwarves, but uh, then the rest of it is instrumental. There is, there is a point where Snow White or uh, Adriana Castelletti does that uh, very operatic cool. bit, and you realize, oh yeah, she can sing. Dang, yeah. Uh, so, There's yodeling too. Yodeling, loli, 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 loli. Again, very eclectic musicality. It's fantastic. Yeah. So um, this scene is this scene is great. And then this is finally followed by uh, them asking her to s- tell a story. And she <laughs> she tells the story about that time she met that hot prince. And then we get another famous uh, song. Someday my prince will come. Probably the well. Would you say? Well, I don't know what. I guess at the end we'll have to decide what's the most famous song. What probably is the most, but all of these, yeah. literally all of these songs, I feel like to a degree, um, except I mean, for maybe the silly song, uh, like uh, for famous, like super super famous, like someday my prince will come. I've heard, uh, yeah, like, loads of times. Oh yeah, same here. It, I feel like that's one of the reasons why is there has been a surge of uh, pr- popularity in terms of princesses, and that's Snow White's. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this talking about where this movie, what this movie did uh, for filmmaking or for uh, animation in general, it cemented the whole idea of the princess. Yeah, that's the key thing. So, um, and and not only someday my prince will come gets reprised in the movie three times. Think about it. Oh, that's right. That is true. Uh, so, so there's this part where she sings it, and all the dwarfs listen in, and they're all charmed. They're all Again, they're all completely smitten with her, except Grumpy. Grumpy's still on the fence about it, but you can tell he's kind of like, Hur. Yeah. Now, she's, as far as we can tell, she's only been with them, like, this a evening. Night. A night. Just a night. And then she they they let her use their beds, and they sleep downstairs, and we get some little fun bits where they're trying to find awkward places to sleep. Like, 
And then the part she prays. Oh, yeah, she's praying. I forgot. She's upstairs praying to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Sweet Lord Jesus. And then she asks for Grumpy to like her. Yeah. And thank you for the little men who have been so kind to me. Amen. Oh, and please let Grumpy like me. <laughs> Clearly, she's she's she sings this song about her prince, but she's she likes men who are hard to get. Yeah. So she's into Grumpy. Oh, yeah. She's totally into Grumpy. And why shouldn't she be? He's the most complicated of the group. Yes. Although, you know, Dopey's trying his best, but he's kind of a simpleton. For me, um, because, uh... Grumpy, I'm, or I'm sorry, Dopey's the only one with his own theme music of the dwarves. That is Did true. you notice that? Mm-hmm. Like, he's got his own mo- leitmotif. I, yeah, I actually didn't notice that. I find, I, I think it's another reason why Dopey was kind of cemented more as one of the favorite dwarves. Well, I think that the two, yeah, the two favorite dwarves, the ones that get the Disney merchandising are, are Dopey, Dopey and, and Grumpy. Grumpy. Yeah. You don't really see the others as much. Grumpy, Maybe Doc. Because again, Maybe Grumpy. Doc. Maybe, Maybe Doc. Grumpy, because I think it, because one, Grumpy is easy to merchandise as someone who's like, oh god, I could be annoyed, but plus he has a story arc where Dopey's very silly. And then, people relate to Dopey. Yeah. <laughs> because people are Dopey. Anyway, so uh, the while while everybody's chilling out for the night... It actually goes back to the queen and she makes the apple. And she makes the poison apple and, and the, then she scares that poor bird. <laughs> it's not for you. I'm going to poison you later with birdseed or some a dead rat or something. But I like that she looks into this. She's like, there might be an antidote. I mean, I could have put uh, arsenic in this. But- she, <laughs> yeah, she could have literally just been like, I'm going to put all these razor blades in this apple. But no, she's like, she, this is where her hubris comes through. Clearly. She's like, so love's first kiss is the only thing that can revive the sleeping death. And she's like, nah, the dwarves are going to think she's dead. She'll be buried alive. And yeah, that's legit. And she's like, I think she she's really tickled by the idea that Snow White will be buried alive. I think so too. She's she's absolutely no. The fact she, that she's she, laughing maniacally oh, about it over and over I, again. I think I love it when the queen turns into the hag because she well she's she's, she's great just, when she's the queen, but she's the most entertaining when she's the hag. She's just having a blast at being evil. Like she, it's almost kind of frightening. Like she goes down and you see a skeleton reaching for a uh, jug of water. And that man like, died of thirst, and you're just like, oh my god, how long like, has he been down here? Here, have a drink. And she's still a mute. She's like he's. After that, like, yeah, you can tell this is a woman who's used to killing people. Oh, yeah, she's demented and she probably enjoys it. Look, I could imagine, I mean, this is where the Grimm's fairy tale aspect, I can imagine her, like, you know, running the kingdom and that night going down and, like, beating some poor schmo to death with a mallet or something. Like, she is purely evil. She's pure evil. Yeah. It's great. And she gets in a boat in, like, this crazy underground. And she's still laughing. Like, yeah, she's in this, like, underground estuary and she, like, paddles out. And then, like, wanders off into the swamp. And uh, it's such a good scene because it's been established earlier in the movie that she, the castle is on this lake. So she comes out of the secret passage at, like, the base of this this mountain that the castle's been built on. Then, I don't know, I just like that setup. Mm-hmm. It's not much, but it's there. It is good. And then uh, we, next morning, uh, we got... or did, was there something you wanted to add? I'm sorry. No, 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 you said it all, basically. All right. So um, next day, uh, Snow Snow White. There's that whole kissing on the forehead gag. Yeah, Dopey keeps trying to get more, and Grumpy don't want no kiss. But you can uh, tell no, he kind of no, does. He kind of does because he's but like he's looking to, at he's... the mirror and then looking at. <laughs> her. 
And then he saw it was over, and you could tell he actually does care. Nobody or nothing. No, no, no. I gotta, I gotta ask Kayla because they're all warning her about the queen. But when she mentions the queen the first time, they all freak out. Is Snow White the only person who's not aware, or at least doesn't under doesn't know beforehand that the queen might be a sorceress? I th- no, honestly, I because th- there's a point the where- dwarves the dwarves know. No, they don't. No, the dwarves know no, because they- the, no, yeah, the grumpy grumpy says specifically early on she's an old witch. She's an old witch. Like she's full of black magic. She might she can make herself invisible. None of the do- but none of the other dwarfs actually. Well, Grumpy did because again he's the seasoned adventurer of the group. Exactly. He's he you know he's dungeon crawled as a first level character in the Queen's Dungeon. I, I, and I think they're just thinking oh it's just pessimistic old Grumpy because uh, they don't really they. Uh, but the but only- Doc Doc says after that. Like, he says to her, <coughs> now remember, the old queen's a sly one, full of witchcraft. So he's probably just basing on off what Grumpy said, potentially, yeah, I but I, I mean, know. I don't know. It's I feel fun. like the dwarves would know a little bit more about magic, considering they're magical creatures to I a know. degree. I don't know. But yeah, they're all saying, please do not let the door open. And don't get- let anybody in the house, and no matter what. what. she does. Well, she's 14, and she has the mind of a child. All right. I find it, I, I also kind of find it endearing. She's making a pie at the time, and it's for Grumpy. Yeah, she makes a pie for Grumpy. It's adorable. And she sings the song again, but she's singing it while she's making a pie for Grumpy. Grumpy's her prince. Aww. Grumpy's her real prince. Grumpy's her Forget prince. that other guy. It's all about Grumpy. You can, and, and, and she finally gives that Grumpy that kiss at, at the, in the head. And as he walks away, he's trying to no, keep he's his... No, still, he's still got a kiss, remember? No, she and gives... He... No, I'm saying she gives... He gets the kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts to walk away all grumpy. Then he stops. He's like, you know, that wasn't so bad. But then when he, she, but when he realizes that she notices, he resumes his demeanor. <laughs> and he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I just like, I like how, I like how she's, she's confident at that point that he's going to turn around. Because every other living being she has ever come across, with the exception of her stepmother, has been swayed so much by her beauty and by her naive, adorable personality that they'll do anything she wants. She can stay with these dwarves. She's got an army of animals that are always keeping an eye on her. She had a huntsman almost kill her and then be like, can't do it, you're too pretty and sweet and kind and wonderful as a human being. And then, But here's the funny part is that uh, when the queen does come and they realize, oh, oh my gosh, it's definitely her. Let's go warn the dwarves. Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, they go off to the mine, and then and then the queen shows up as the hag and totally creeps on her from the window. It is really spooky and just like you should buy an apple because men folk like apples more than gooseberries. She's making gooseberry pie, and oh, and just before that, I gotta mention she's being followed by these two vultures who look at her. And they're just like, <laughs> wow, that woman looks like she's gonna die. <laughs> Whoosh, and they just follow her the rest of the movie. And the reason the animals know something's not right, the only reason the animals know something's not right is they look up in a tree and they see the vultures. And they're just smiling. And the vultures are just like, yeah, someone's going to die. They're going <laughs> to swoop in. So the animals start trying to attack the, the, the witch. And Snow White's like, shame on you. Shoo, shoo. And then she starts fainting like, oh, we all oh my heart. I'm she, old. I'm old and stuff, and then she takes her into the house, and 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 then uh, there's this great bit of intercutting where like the animals are like, well, clearly Snow White's not listening. Is, is she's too dumb? We need <laughs> she yeah okay. This this is where this is where she's she is she is dumb. Yeah, because even fourteen year olds 
good 14-year-olds know not to let anybody whatsoever when, in the house. Uh, you're, I mean, for someone I who's... guess when you're someone who's convinced that almost everybody in the world except for your stepmom is innocent. Yeah. It's still... This is actually the one part where, where I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit too stretching for the 14-year-old shelter. It's a, it's a fairy tale, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Modern yeah. movie audiences know that well, this would never... Well, it, it does happen. So in the original Grimm's fairy tale, actually, this doesn't happen not just once, but three times. She oh, tries. so she's even dumber in that version. Oh, yeah. Like, and when the, there's been an attempt on her life three times. Well, what happens is, originally... Um, uh, this woman gives her a comb for her hair, and she comb. She's about to comb it, and then there's poison in the comb, so she falls over. The dwarves take it out. She comes back to life, and they're like, "Well, crap." So then the next part is uh, uh, the queen tries to come again. She lets her in again, and uh, it's a a corset. It's a corset, and she does it so tightly that she faints, and yeah, and she's out of breath and dies, or she thinks she dies. Dwarves come, cut it open. She's fine. And then finally, it's the apple, right? The poison apple. But they, I think, and Disney was actually going to originally do all three, but I think he chose wisely just to do the one. I think that's much better because the other two are just really silly. Yeah, really silly. Well, I mean, a poison apple is is iconic, I guess. Um, but anyway, she gets the apple, and while this is all happening, the animals all run over to the mine asap, and the dwarfs are like. Don't understand why the animals are freaking out. Until Sleepy, who's... Who's, just... by the way, just chilling out in a minecart. He's, like, sleeping in a minecart, and some birds come, and he just kind of gently swats them away, and then, oh, maybe the old queen's up or still white. And I just picture everybody else freaking out, but he's still like, sleeping <laughs> in the minecart while they're all doing that. See, this is why, and this is the part where Grumpy actually steps up, because he immediately hops on to one of the deers and is like, come on, man! And he's the one leading them. Yeah, he's the one who's like, I'm going to beat the tar out of that witch. <laughs> so, like, the... And, and it's under, and actually, this actually does create good tension, even though I know what's going to happen. Because it uh, switches between the witch saying, come on, take a bite. Oh, I love how she's trying to convince you. She's like, it's not just an ordinary apple. It's a wishing apple. And you, all your dreams will come true if you take a bite. And Snow White's making this really long wish on it. And you could just see her, like, standing there, tapping her foot, like, checking her watch. Like, <laughs> come on, just take the bite of the apple. <laughs> and it, But here's the thing. As she's wishing, it's interspersed between the dwarfs on the animal's running towards to go find her and save her between her about to take a bite and then you finally see her take a bite and she falls over you see her hand you don't yeah. see her and then immediately a storm comes out of nowhere yep and then dramatic lightning and thunder and rain and tension starts to build as Grumpy's like there she is after her yeah she comes out of the house like ha 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 oh and then she runs and then it's they chase her. climbing up the mountain. They're trying to get to her. And the vultures take off like, we've been waiting for this, and off they go. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> I, I think it, <laughs> what's funny thing is, uh, you saw, it, you didn't say anything while watching it until, or not anything about the vultures up until the point where they're about to run up the mountain. And you, the, you see the vultures, like, smiling, and they fly towards it, and you're like, well, this is going to end great for us. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how this goes. <laughs> it's so, yeah, so the witch, she climbs a hill, the hag, she climbs a hill, and she gets to the top, but she's stuck at a, at a precipice, and she turns around realizing, well, I'm stuck, but, uh... She sees a big rock and is about to... She's got a tree branch, and she's gonna drop it on the door, saying, I'll crush your bones, 
and she's cackling all the way because she just loves being this evil. And, and then, then God, God says no because a bolt of lightning descends from nowhere and it strikes the cliff and she falls off of it and her scream – that scream is iconic by the way. You hear it in oh, stock yeah. recordings a lot. She falls off the cliff and then the boulder tips over the cliff and falls after her and all the dwarves run over to the edge and they're just like, oh. And then the vultures are like kind of – their heads hey! kind of tip down, tip down, tip down. They stop, stare for a moment and they're like – flap and they just fly away like yep dinner dinner time <laughs> now all of this is great right yeah. i love this scene and this this is the start of one of my favorite tropes in disney the villain plummeting to their death <laughs> this comes up all the time in disney animated movies I, I like and we're gonna keep track of this right yes we're gonna keep plummeting to their you death know what you know what i'm going to um make a list of all the I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a plummet to their death meter or counter. Yep. Right. So every movie that includes a plummet, a villain plummeting to their death, we're gonna do a, put a big check mark. <laughs> so on. So villain villain plummet death. It's now at one. I'm, yeah. Can, can we put this? At- Congratulations, Wicked Queen. You are the first uh, plummet to death villain. <laughs> can we have like her stock footage going? Ah! <laughs> every time we do this. Okay, we're it's uh did a did a villain plummet to their death this episode? Yeah. Right? Every time we pick it up. Yeah. Okay, that seems I'll do that. Yeah. That'll be good. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. So alright, so the one thing I want to bring up, besides the amazingness that is I, I don't know, it's just such a fun way to get off a villain without being too violent, I guess. Yeah. Um Well one of the things that he was uh, Disney was worried about was the censors, and that's like, because he didn't want this movie to be censored at all. It was his, basically his first big film. Right. So I think, like, and, and of course, the queen has to die somehow. And, uh, I mean, Snow White dies in it. So I think it's like, well, we got to hide her body. And then when the queen falls, that's probably the easiest way. And the fact that it's nobody's killing her. It's just God saying, I'm going to bust a cap. <laughs> it's a freak bolt of lightning from nowhere. Mm-hmm. She's lucky she didn't get struck by lightning. Nope, just got a bolt of lightning saying, saying, well, crushes. Off she goes. (laughs) So, uh, but you know what I think is funny is they, those dwarves are out for blood because they see the witch leaving the cottage. They don't think to run in and check on Snow White. They're all immediately like, there she goes. And they all in unison chase after her. None of them go back to the cottage. What if, what if Snow White had been bleeding on the floor and any moment they, they needed to like, you know, stop the bleeding. She could have been taken out in, in all manner of ways. They should have gone, checked on Snow White first, and then gone out. Like, there's seven of them. Four of them could have gone after uh, the queen, and three of them could have stayed and, like, at least checked on on their, their charge, on and their ward, bunch- their teenage ward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they go back. She's dead. And then, actually, this is when we get into wording. To make uh, time to mark time. Pass. Well, they have that little funeral scene where they're all like crying over the like bed that she's in with the candles, and they're all super sad. I, I, and it's raining. <laughs> there's uh, actually funny enough. Um, uh, there's the bed. Uh, like uh, they made a. Uh, they couldn't bear to bury her. Yeah, so lucky, like, lucky for Snow White, and lucky for the Queen's uh, logic. They're just like, nah. We needed like not bury her because she's too beautiful then- even in death. So they're going to put her in a glass coffin. So they can watch her decompose. <laughs> I, 
didn't she, like we were telling your mom and then my my mom was the one who made that joke actually years ago we were listening to like a book on tape version of it some for some time <laughs> and there's a part where doc's voice just comes out and goes let's put her in a glass coffin and my mom just immediately goes so we can watch her decompose and crack <laughs> herself up because it was so morbid but i'm like it's a great joke i love it uh so we thought about we remembered that and it was just amusing so yeah, they some seat some time through text through text it says time passes and then guess who comes back after hearing about a maiden sleeping in a glass coffin? Everyone's favorite necrophiliac. Prince Charming. Prince Charming, who's oh, his song comes back in the background while he's exploring the woods, and he comes to go check out this legendary I guess the dwarves well then again, okay, so remember how I said they originally commissioned? That they said the dwarves built the glass coffin. Yeah. Although they could have gone to the next diamond fair and, and really somberly <laughs> and said, like, look, this is going to sound really weird, but we need you to, we did commission a coffin. Okay, like, no, a glass coffin. And they're just looking at them, the other dwarfs at the market, and they're like, why? Well, there's this really beautiful girl who died in our house. Okay. We want to watch your decomposition. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't know. But then again, the fact that, like, months apparently passed and she's, and she's still okay. They're like, either dwarfs don't understand the the natural processes that happen to a body. Because she wasn't, remember, she's No, not, we know she's not really dead. But you'd think they would They would think something was up. But they don't. It Because they're childlike in their own way. Yeah. So they set her up in this glade and they pay their respects. And then this, uh, then the prince shows up, and you were cracking up at the fact, Kayla, that while he's making this long singing uh, trek toward the coffin, you can see his horse in the background, and his horse <laughs> is just standing there, staring dead-eyed in his direction, <laughs> and the horse doesn't move at all. It doesn't blink. It's just standing there looking at him. And I was laughing because it's like it's so obvious that they just painted him in the background. But it's it's so it's it's amusing because it's supposed to be a living, breathing horse. The horse is just staring. <laughs> It's the little things that amuse us and stuff like this. Yeah. So he gets there and he's just like, wow, I remember her. Do you think he knew? Do you think he knew before he got there that this was the same woman? Well, I guess. I don't think so. I, maybe he did. Maybe he's like, could it be? And then sees her. But here's. He thing. didn't seem all that broken up about it. He was just no. like, oh, it was a girl I sang to one time. I don't think she was that into me because I never saw her again. But I mean, he, he kisses her. And yeah. someone, I mean. I want. To, I've never kissed a dead body before. Let's see what happens. Jeez. And he kisses her. He's like, "Wow, that's weird." Like she's still warm. Maybe because she's in a glass coffin and the sun <laughs> like, comes in. Oh, and then she comes back to life. You you actually made this point. You said because she said it was a wishing apple. Apple and she wished wished wished. Oh yeah. For her prince to come for her and. You, as you Through a weird set of circumstances. Through a weird set of circumstances, she just basically passed out and is now woken up and her prince is there. So in all... So for all she knew, that nice old lady, if the, if the dwarves never tell her, look, a witch cursed you, she'd be like, so what happened? And they'd be like, well, we came back and found you and you were like, we thought you were dead. And she's like, no, I just... I this nice old woman came by and gave me a wishing apple and she's like and they're going to tell her what happened and she points to the prince you're like and my wish came true and then they just don't have the heart to tell her they're just like yeah and they all just nod 
that's not actually what happens because you imagine how funny that would be. I know. So. Prince comes. He whisks her. Um, the artist formerly known as Prince comes. and Oh. Uh, but not before she has a chance. The dwarves are stoked. They're they're running around, and the animals are all happy. The animals have been there the whole time too. Yeah. And she kisses them all goodbye. She's like, "Sorry, guys. I know I just woke up from like a month long coma, but I gotta leave with this hot guy. He's gonna take me to his castle." <laughs> but and now here's the weird part because the castle looks like it's in the clouds, right? Which could be interpreted as her going to heaven, or it's like the hope of a castle. I I don't know. It's just such a strange way to present the castle. So it's like, could she still be dead? It's, it's... <laughs> well, I know what they. I I feel like we know what they intended because obviously know. it's like, man, this is not a David Lynch thing. She's... No, no, she's obviously woken up. She's alive, and that this. Uh, this but castle... is the prince? But is the prince from a sky kingdom? Because that castle is in the clouds, man. Yeah. And it ends with the beautiful, uh, Someday My Prince Will Come. The third use of that song in the movie. And, uh, we end our And the book closes. So, that was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We talked about this for a while, even, but you know, I was really nice to watch it with you. It was! I, I mean, I always enjoy watching movies with you. (laughs) But, um, like, looking back, it actually really is a good movie. I, it surprisingly holds I, okay to say it I, I does it hold up is the question i mean it's definitely classic i mean it's definitely classic. it holds up in that sense like is it is it timeless is it okay that's i mean is our parts of it dated or there the, the, there's there very i'd say very very little of it like when you compare it to certain movies that came out later that are really stuck in their periods. This movie is, I don't think, gets very dated in places. There's parts where we were kind of pointing out, listen to how incredibly 30s some parts of this sound. Yeah. But that's not a bad thing, per se. It's just, you. it cements the time period the movie was made in. And, it, but, and then also the parts where they're like, I mean, they're supposed to be gags, but um, it does feel like, we're going to teach our children how to clean. <laughs> this is a PSA from Walt Disney. Yeah. I, I think if you think of it as a fairy tale and like just a b- pure beautiful fairy tale, it holds up in that way. It does, and that's why that's why you go. That's the way you go into it. But I think um, animation, like in in an animation, you could tell that it does. It you, you could tell it was for what it is. It is gorgeous, and uh, I think we've improved from animation quite a bit but as a standpoint if knowing i think it's well, kind of you know what I think it's, it's important too because you can see this the the sheer amount of effort that went into oh, animating yeah. this movie because it is exquisitely animated I, you know what i think it's like it's kind of like citizen kane mm. like you know you watch it and you're like some people are like it's good i i don't know if it's something it's not a it's not my favorite film it's it, it and it doesn't and for some reason, you're kind of like I, I. If you watch it today and not get, uh, and not get like the time period it came out and all that, yeah, I think you'd think okay, it's a, it's a great film and it's great to watch and it's very interesting. Uh, I don't know what makes it so great. It's the fact that Citizen Kane came out at a time when all of these tropes 
didn't even exist. Like, these styles, these ideas, the effort that went into it, this just wasn't something people did. And I think it's the same with Snow White. This was something that was unique. This was something that was ahead of its time. This was something no one had done before. Exactly. Oh, so the process, it just dawned on me. Okay. Multi-panel animation yes. is what that was called. And multi uh, it was fo- filmed with a multi-plane camera. That's the one that's actually the one I saw at the animation studio. So you got to see the multi Oh, nice. So yeah, that they it was it was pioneered by the by Walt Disney Animation. Again, the, when you think of it that way, it Snow White is something to be treasured. Um and actually if it did make a lot of money, it's actually um if you account for inflation, it is one of the top uh like one of the top um North American um domestic films mm-hmm. to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like it's quite astounding when you account for inflation. Um so as a whole, it does have a place in animation history. It actually does it hold up? <sighs> I think it's considered a classic. I think we've gone way ahead of time since then, and we'll address. Oh no, it. clearly we've advanced, but you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And I, as as far as I am, I'm convinced it is a, a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, storytelling has gotten more complicated. Yeah. It's gotten more interesting. Uh, we can tell better stories. Oh yeah. But that does not at all. I, that's not me panning Snow White at all for what it is, and it is a. It is a an enjoyable film. It's it, not my it's favorite, very, but I will. It's still I very really, simplistic. I, I still very much enjoy it. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It's still very simplistic. There is like when you watch it. I I mean I wasn't. I mean, as someone who has seen it before, I wasn't expecting like. Um, in, uh, I wasn't expecting like unique storytelling or something like this. No, this no, is, no, 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 no. This is this is like essentials for from like our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So, but as a in ter- like I said, as in terms of like something that is a simple story, and the fact that they could make it into a full ninety minute film, and it in a way that's one enjoyable and watchable, and in and also beautiful, is quite amazing. Um, like I said, not my favorite film, but. It's definitely, I I would definitely encourage people to rewatch it. It's not something I want to re. The thing is, I'm glad I rewatched it. Is it something I want to rewatch again? N- not really. Not for a while, at least. No, because yeah. I, like I said, it is a very simple story. It is very. It it, it isn't something that. I mean, I, I was surprised it got me to think as much as I could, as I did. But same, it's not something that really moves that would move me as much as I would hope to. There are, I think, more, and you know, that's the thing. This is the cool. We're we're seeing the birth of the medium, yes, and then we see how it evolves and gets better as time goes on. Exactly. And I think we're going to be able to exemplify this when we move on to our next movie in the timeline, which is going to be. Pinocchio. Which I actually look forward to um, because I've actually spoken to a lot of uh, different big-named animators. And when I mean animators, I mean like people from DreamWorks and uh, different companies like that. 
and a lot of them cite Pinocchio as their favorite animated film. And I'm, it's been a while since I've seen Pinocchio, so I look forward to seeing what why they find that film so great. Well, with that knowledge in mind, uh, we're gonna we're gonna say farewell to Snow White and give it the uh, and say yeah from both of us. It's a yeah from mm-hmm. yeah. We like that. We like Snow White. <laughs> Are we gonna do a thumbs up, thumbs down? Thing for Are we doing a Siskel and Ebert kind of thing? Should, should we do that? All right, I'm gonna say a thumbs up. Thumbs up. All right, cool. So, uh, so yeah. So thank you for joining us for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. If you enjoyed our little uh, our initial pilot here, then uh, yeah, feel free to keep listening and stay subscribed. Uh, As we mentioned before, we're gonna do every single Walt Disney animated feature or uh, animated studio film in chronological order and some of them are a bit more difficult to (laughs) get a hold of uh, especially when we reach like uh, movies like um, uh, Make My Melody Make My Music or Make My Music I'm sorry Uh, Fun and Fancy Free yeah and then Song of the South we're gonna actually have to watch all of that on YouTube Mm -hmm. and because it's not it's still illegal in America technically to buy and so there's a we're gonna have to find ways to get these films and then watch them mm-hmm. and then anal- take the time to analyze them. So. But I mean, some are some will be easier to get than others, and we we live in an age where we can find a way. So we'll we'll do it. And uh, like I said, luckily our next one is Pinocchio. So tune in, join us next time when we do Pinocchio. And uh, until then, uh, you can find Kayla and I on a couple other podcasts on the Penview Network. Uh, I am the host and uh, creator of the Midnight Marinara podcast, as well as the Undercooked Analysis podcast, which uh, Kayla is also a producer and uh, frequent uh, host of as well, both of those shows. Uh, I would say, though, uh, Undercooked Analysis is one that you are more frequently involved in vocally. Uh, Yeah, vocally, but with the other one, I'm more behind the scenes on uh, with Midnight Marinara. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of uh, my own podcast, I also do the artistry where I interview creative professionals in order to help out those who wish to get into that industry. So uh, mine is a, I've been trying to do it weekly. Or uh, So uh, for both David and I, you can hear us uh, every Tuesday, for sure. Pretty much every Tuesday. And right now with Undercooked Analysis, you can, if you want to hear us talk a bunch of nonsense about creepypasta and be way more not safe for work, uh, <laughs> then you can listen to that there. That's Tuesdays and Fridays at this point. So, um, yeah. Where our tree's only Tuesdays. Sorry, guys. That's fair. Uh, But, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, this is David. I'm Kayla. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.